are listening to the Freedom Fellowship audio podcast from Freedom Fellowship Church. Our mission is to love God, love people, and serve both. And now, let's listen in to this week's sermon. What is so interesting about the study of the book of Luke is that we get into the the words of Jesus, his teaching. Today we'll be in chapter 8. If you'll turn there, we'll start chapter 8. And the title of our lesson this morning is The Power of Parables. You know, the point of a parable appears to be simple and obvious, but it takes spiritual discernment to truly understand the meaning and the impact of the story. And parables call on us to get a deeper engagement with reality and they invite serious seekers of the truth to spiritual growth. The word parable appears 48 times in the New Testament. It's important. And let's begin with verse 1 of chapter 8. And, and in between the parables we see that Luke mentions a very important group of people, a very important group of followers of Jesus in the first three verses. So if you would, read along with me. Soon afterward, Jesus began a tour of the nearby towns and villages, preaching and announcing the good news about the kingdom of God. He took his 12 disciples with him, along with some women who had been cured of evil spirits and diseases. Among them were Mary and Magdalene, who he had cast out seven demons. Joanna, the wife of Chusa, Herod's business manager, takes special note there that this woman, husband, had been Herod, King Herod's business manager. She's at great risk being a follower of Jesus because Jesus was an enemy of Herod. And many others who were contributing from their own resources to support Jesus and his disciples. Look at the last part. Uh, verse 3, and many others who were contributing from their own resources to support Jesus and his disciples. Luke is mentioning some of the women that had followed Jesus. They had supported Jesus. They supported the ministry financially. And Jesus allowed their support. Sometimes I think we get the wrong impression about what Jesus actually did during his ministry he and his 12 disciples, didn't, they didn't hold a secular job. Jesus was in ministry every day, all day long. And they had to eat. They had to be sustained. And these were the people that did that for them. They gave it themselves to Jesus. It said they were the ones who had been forgiven by Jesus, healed by Jesus, blessed by Jesus. And they partnered up with Jesus and his work. They made it possible. Jesus didn't go from house to house taking food from people. He didn't charge them for healing them. But when people came to him and wanted to support the work, he accepted it because of their hearts. So here's a key to giving that we see right here. Here's a key to giving to the Lord. If you feel like you have to, don't do it. Give as you purpose in your heart, 
And that's what these women did and other followers. These women set a standard in a society that looked down on women, counting them as second-rate citizens. They were possessions, and especially in the Roman culture that had, had uh, conquered this state of Israel. And the attitudes of men in Jewish society wasn't much better. And if you look back to John chapter 4, verse 27, that's the story of Jesus, the woman at the well. And a very important part of that verse, then when his disciples came back, they were shocked to find him talking to a woman. Didn't do that in public. Men didn't speak to women they didn't know, and it'd be socially acceptable. But none of them had the nerve to ask, what do you want with her? Or why you're talking with her? Well, we know what the story says. It was to share the good news. Now, why does Luke deviate from talking about the parables and, and, and mention this? Because it's important. This would be amiss by me not to address it. These women were the last at the cross and the first at the tomb important women's strength in the church my wife's spiritual strength and my mother's faithful example why I'm here that's what I'm doing teaching here today because of their example so now we go to verse 4 in the parable of the farmer scattering seed one day, Jesus told a story in the form of a parable to a large crowd who had gathered from many towns to hear him. Think about it. One third of Jesus' storytelling is in the form of parables. One third of his teaching is in the form of parables. And he had the gift of storytelling like no other. These painted word pictures. He wasn't just telling stories about his childhood and about things that he had done. He was able to take a story of practical situations that had occurred in society that people could relate to and get them to listen and get them to try to figure out what he was talking about. In the parable of the farmer, sowing seed resonates to anyone who has attempted to grow anything outside. So here in verse 5, we pick up, and the farmer went out to plant his seed, and as he scattered it across his field, some seed fell on a footpath where it was stepped on, and the birds ate it. Other seed fell among rocks, and it began to grow, but the plant soon wilted and died for lack of moisture. Other seed fell among the thorns that grew up with it and choked out the tender plants. Still other seed fell on fertile soil, and the seed grew and produced a crop that was a hundred times as much as had been planted. And when he had said this, and as Jesus said this, he called out, some verses said he cried out, so he gets loud, and he says, anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. Anyone with ears to listen should hear and understand. Now Mark records this event in Mark chapter 4. 
And it's important to look at this account in Mark to get to the purpose of the parables. So in Mark 4, verse 10 through 12, Later, when Jesus was alone with the twelve disciples and with the others who had gathered around, they asked him what the parables meant. And he replied, You are permitted to understand the secret of the kingdom of God, but I use parables for everything I say to outsiders. You ever notice that? You've read or heard this story? And he says, verse 12, So that the scriptures might be fulfilled when they see what I do, they will learn nothing. When they hear what I say, they will not understand. Otherwise, they will turn to me and be forgiven. He's quoting Isaiah chapter 6, verses 9 through 10. Now, I would like to read verse 11 again, but out of the Amplified Version. And he said to them, The mystery of the kingdom of God has been given to you who have teachable hearts. But to those who are outside, the unbelievers, the spiritually blind, get everything in parables. The reason Jesus taught using these stories, using parables, number one, to reveal the truth to those who are ready to listen. Number one, to reveal the truth to those who are ready to listen. Number two, to conceal the truth from those whose ears are closed. To conceal the truth from those whose ears are closed. Those who have hard hearts. Again, he said in verse 8, anyone with ears should hear and should listen and understand. If you're ready to listen, Jesus is saying, if you're ready to listen, the story will create interest. It will create within you a need to know more. And the need to hear the truth is driven deeper into the soil. And then it becomes more fruitful. But if you're not ready to listen, you have no interest, no clue what's going on, and don't really care about finding out. So this parable, the farmer sowing the seed, seems to be the key to unlocking the understanding of many other parables. Jesus said this in verse 13 of Luke 8. He says, Then Jesus said to them, If you can't understand the meaning of this parable, how will you understand all the other parables? Now that, that struck me as a very deep statement. And all the times in which I've read and heard this parable, this is the first time that this statement that Jesus made really just got my attention. If you don't understand this parable, he said, you're not going to understand the other ones. So the meaning of the parable, verse 11 of Luke 8, Jesus said this, this is the meaning of the parable. And he's talking to his disciples who question, what does it mean? The seed is God's word. There are three elements of this parable, the seed, the sower, and the soil. And the seed is the word of God. The seed is the truth. Paul, uh, Peter wrote this in 1 Peter 1, 23. You have not been born again 
you have been born again, not of seed, which is perishable, but which is imperishable. That is through the living and enduring word of God. That is simple to understand. The seed is the truth. The sower is a person who shares the word. Think about who led you to Christ. Was it more than one person? Was it one person? They were the sower who, seed that, who sowed the seed in your life. Who sowed the seed? Who brought to you a truth that you hadn't heard before that changed your life? Paul wrote this in 1 Corinthians 3 and verse 6. I planted the seed in your hearts. Apollo watered it. And it was God who made it grow. I was raised in the church. But it was, I was much older before I understood some things about God's grace. And the person that sowed that seed, seed keeps being sowed the entire life. And that seed that I was ready to take and hear that I was ready to listen about, took hold and then began to grow in my life. Think about it. It's just not a matter of conversion. It's a matter of God's truth, all his truth. The seed is being sowed. When we come together on Sunday mornings and we come together online to listen to the truth, seed is being sowed. It's just not for the unbeliever. It's for all. Jesus said, believers who listen to me will understand the parable. They get it. It's those who don't want to listen who won't pick it up. Now, in the book of Acts, we see the account of the apostles sowing seed. Early days of the church. And Luke wrote this book of Acts, and it's like the sequel to Luke. So Luke wrote this in Acts 1, verse 1. In my first book, I told you, Theopolis, about everything Jesus began to do and teach. So these studies in Luke are so important to the foundations of the church. The next element's the soil. Well, this is where things get, get kind of sticky for a lot of us. The soil is talking about the heart. And there are four conditions of the heart that Jesus describes here. He spends more time talking about the element of the soil or the heart than he did the seed and the sower. Why? It's much more complicated, isn't it? Because now it's going to deal with the human heart. There are four conditions of the heart that Jesus is describing. Number one, he talks about the footpath. That's the calloused heart. Number two, he talks about the rocky soil. That is the shallow heart. Number three, talks about the choked out soil. Well, that's the crowded heart. And then he talks about the good soil. That's the fruitful heart. The calloused heart, the footpath, verse 12. The seeds that fell on the footpath represent those who hear the message only to have the devil come and take it away from their hearts to prevent them from believing and being saved. 
a playground where kids play at school will have big spots where there's nothing growing. Because that's where the kids spend all their time trampling the ground. And if you just throw seed on that hard packed ground, nothing's going to grow because it can't take root. That's the type of footpath he's talking about here. Pounded ground beside where things will be planted. So it says the beaten down path prevents the seeds from penetrating the soil. And these are the people who say, I just don't get it. And when the truth is brought to them, I don't get this Jesus stuff. There's no penetration of the truth when they hear the message. And there's no conviction of sin. He said their heart is not ready. He said it's calloused. Then he goes on to talk about the rocky soil in verse 13. The seeds on the rocky soil represent those who hear the message and receive it with joy. But since they don't have deep roots, they believe for a while and then fall away when they face temptation. This is the emotional here. Their emotions are touched when they hear but it's an emotional reaction that doesn't last. They get all excited and full of passion about wanting to serve, wanting to be walk hand in hand with Jesus through life, wanting to be a part of the church, wanting to be on a mission, but things fizzle out when the emotion wears off. Think, it's funny thing about emotion. It just lasts so long. Right? If a marriage is based strictly on emotion, it's not going to last long. It has to be a much deeper feeling, true love. And that's what he's talking about here. If, if emotion is what your faith is based on, it's going to run out, and when things get tough, you're going to bail. Why did God allow this to happen to me? Why did God not take care of me like he said he was going to? Well, these are people who base everything off emotion and their faith is shallow. The third, the, the choked out soil, the crowded heart. Verse 14. The seeds that fell among the thorns represent those who hear the message. And all too quickly, the message is crowded out by the cares and riches and pleasures of this life. So they never grow into maturity. The weeds and thorns grow in abundance. The desires of the flesh outweigh commitment to the truth. A person ever makes a break with the world. They're trying to trying to live in both worlds. And they're choked out by the world's value system. Now think about it. Why are there so many problems in churches? Right here. We tend to think that's the person, oh, they're just simple and they're, they're, they're chasing the devil. And they're not involved with Jesus. No, these are he's talking about people who listen to the message and they just try to 
live with one foot in the world and one foot in the church, and they're always in conflict, and they're being, but the world is winning over. These people have friends that have worldly views, and they have no root to endure, to endure, that is, temptation. Now, were they ever deeply rooted in Christ? You know, they have just enough consciousness. And I think this represents a lot of us in the church. They have just enough consciousness to know what sin is and to be uncomfortable with some things that go on in the world. Just enough. But they have enough in the world in their life to make them uncomfortable in church. Why is there such debate over abortion? Right here. Worldly values brought into churches. Jesus knows people so well, doesn't he? Why do we have conflict in churches over the homosexuality issue? Right here. Worldly views in the church. We won't turn loose of the world and embrace Jesus. And they're miserable weaving back and forth between the world and the kingdom. It doesn't work. We see the results of that conflict all the time. Do I get up and go to church today? Open the door. Boy, it's a pretty day. First day of spring. Lord, I understand. Day of worship. Day of worship. That's what he asks us to do. So then he ends this particular parable with the good soil. Verse 15. And the seeds that fell on the good soil represent the honest, good-hearted people who hear God's word, cling to it, and patiently produce a huge harvest. They're receptive to the message. And they're fruitful because they've got a root system, a deep root system. Anyone who has ears to hear should listen and understand. They, the person in the good soil, listens, understands, and embraces Jesus. Here's the startling reality of Jesus' teaching on this parable. Now, this is, if you had a pie chart, think about it. 25% of people want nothing to do with his message. Okay, that's what he's, he's going through here. 25% have nothing to do with the message. 75% of people are okay with it. They're okay with the message. 50% of this group have temporary emotional growth in their life. So 25% just nothing, 75%, so half of the 50 are saying, or 75% there's left saying it's okay, then 50% say are, are people that are just emotional listeners, and then 25%, 25% are the good soil. 
Jesus spoke these words 2,000 years ago, and yet it's still the same today. 25% of people are really ready to be receptive and join hands with Jesus and make him the Lord of their life and be ready to go on that journey with him. So the question is, which of these groups are you in? I know good and well that nobody would be here if they were in the 25%, they didn't want to have anything to do with it. So our question, we have to examine ourselves. Am I someone who's just okay with the message or am I ready to really listen to receive it? Am I just basing everything on how I feel or is it based on what's really going on in my heart? See, that's what Jesus was presented to him. This right here. But he did it in story form. So then he goes to the parable of the lamp. And he says, no one, verse 16 and 17, no one lights a lamp and then covers it with a bowl or hides it under a bed. A lamp is placed on a stand where it can, light can be seen all who enter the house. For all that is secret will eventually be brought out into the open and everything that is concealed will be brought to light and made known to all. Truth by its very nature is meant to be revealed. And God promised that it would be. And we have a commitment to share the truth, what he means by this story. If you have the truth in God, we have a solemn responsibility to spread that truth as followers of Jesus. Don't let your light, your lamp be hidden. Now, verse 18 of chapter 8, back, I want you to look at this. So pay attention to how you hear, Jesus said. Pay attention to how you hear. To those who listen to my teaching, more understanding will be given. But for those who are not listening, it's a difference between just hearing and listening. I hear all kinds of noises, but I have to focus in to listen. Okay? But for those who are not listening, who are not focused in, even what they think they understand will be taken away from them. Verse 18 of the Amplified Version. So be careful how you listen, for whoever has a teachable heart to him, more understanding will be given. And whoever does not have a longing for the truth, even what he thinks he has will be taken away from him. Jesus said, be careful how you listen. Those who receive the word become accountable. So we must take care how we hear. You see, it's dangerous to hear God's word in a too passive way. If it just has no impact on us, you would, we say, well, I, I study and I, I listen to, to guys speak on the radio. That's good. But is it impactful? Is it making a change? Is it helping you in your walk? Or if you approach that like giving, 
I'm going to give because I have to. I'm going to read my Bible because I'm supposed to. I'm going to listen to preachers because it's the thing i got to do. If you have that approach, then don't do it. Because it's doing you more harm than good because your heart becomes hardened, Jesus said. If you don't take the truth to heart. And when people leave the church, they leave God. That's what happened. They become hardened in their heart and the truth no longer penetrated. This comes from the teaching of this parable. This is not my opinion. This is not something that I think happened. It's what Jesus described what happened. Hearts become hardened when they don't listen and accept and focus on the Word of God. This is scriptural. You can't play church and walk with God. We want to make a lot of excuses, but that's, that's the bottom line. Because Jesus taught it. Pay attention on how you hear. Verse 49 of chapter 6 of Luke that we've studied. This comes back to mind. But the one who has merely heard and has not practiced what I say is like a foolish man who built his house on the ground without any foundation and the torrent burst against it and immediately collapsed and the ruin of that house was great. This is the teaching of Jesus. So pay attention to how you hear. To those who listen to my teaching, more understanding will be given. More what? More desire to hear. More understanding of what you hear. More spiritual blessings. That's the more. And if we're bored with the teaching of God's word, if it doesn't penetrate our heart, more will not be given. It, so the reason for this parable, Jesus said, now you see in verse 13, then Jesus said to them, if you can't understand the meaning of this parable, how will you understand all the other parables? Because he's talking about the condition of our heart. Let us pray. Father, I pray that we are all receptive to your, your truth, Father, that we, that we put Satan attempts to distract us to the side. Give us the strength. And Father, I pray that you take us and mold us. And Father, anyone here this morning that is struggling, struggling with, the, with life, with truth, Father, that you touch their heart right now with your Holy Spirit. Thank you, Father. Thank you for Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for listening to the Freedom Fellowship audio podcast. We are located at 990 West Henry de Tonti Boulevard in Tontytown, Arkansas. You can check us out on the web at freedomfellowship.com or you can find us on social media by searching Freedom Fellowship NWA. We hope you have a great week and that you live out the mission of the church which is to love God, love others, and serve both.